There you are, Mr. Wolf. Good morning. Good, after <laughs> good afternoon out there. You know, my wife asked me yesterday, she's like, is Steve going to be awake? I was like, how do you even know that he's such a night owl? I guess it's like infamous. You're, you're, in, you're famously... An, an I, yeah, nocturnal. I, I had... um. I told you, I have flipped my schedule around since I've been out here. But earlier, like a few days ago, I pulled an all-nighter. And now I'm just kind of slowly dialing it back to, uh, to a regular schedule again. So you're in L.A. right now. Do you have... Tell yeah. me, tell me. Yeah, yeah, I know. But I like the glasses, though. It goes with, you know... One of us has to look cool. I'm nice and tan and bald and all that. No, you're I, still I, I am not tan at all. Sorry, I'm just closing this curtain a little bit. I'm getting washed out. So, um, yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so how's things? So you're out in LA. I'm out in LA. I don't know if you can hear, there's a little dog, like trying to get my attention, pushing a ball towards me. Um, yeah, I'm out in LA. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah. Everything is great. Cool. Um, I'm in LA. I'm with my girl, our dog. I flew out here the beginning of April, just as New York was kind of about to peak. And um, at the time, it felt much better out here. And now it's kind of like flipped. So there's a bunch of nonsense out here. And uh, are, are you thinking about coming? Is, is, is Blunted Boss your girl? Yeah. She, All right. She, there we go. I see yeah. she's showing. What's up, Blunted Boss? Nice to her, meet you. Her, her name is Melody, <laughs> but spelled I-E with the, with the uh, German spelling of Melody. So is she out? She, is she L.A.? Yeah. So you went out to her place in L.A. to kind of like just peace out of New York and just be like, let me go somewhere safe. And now L.A. has turned into a, you know, well, I, I was going to be out here anyway, because I when I was out here for Nam, I had I usually stay with our friend Lukash out here. Yeah. A, a, um, place. Which is Dr. Luke for anybody who doesn't yes. know Dr. Luke's name. Yeah. So I usually stay crash with him when I'm out here. Um, but I had, when I was out here for NAM, I moved a bunch of my LA stuff to her place. So the, the plan was, I've kind of been by coastal on the DL for, I don't know how many years now. And, um, so now I was just gonna, I was going to be back and forth. I was going to be here for all of April. That was the plan. But then when all this shit started happening, it was like, all right, I'll just, I just got a one way ticket this time and figured just like you said, like peace out New York, yeah, ride it out here. But that was also when they were saying, yeah, you know couple months flatten the curve everything goes back to normal and that's clearly not not what's happening so so yeah i'm just out here i'll will she and i will both end up back at my place in new york at some point but i don't know when that's going to be so yeah yeah i and mean you it's funny because in new york is uh, i'm in sag harbor so i'm not we okay, yeah, out of not the city and i haven't gone back I, I, I moved my studio out of the city i have it in a small place here which i'm doing yeah. this from um you know, and we're, we're our, you know, we have kids, so the next, our, our next thought is what's really going to happen with school in the fall, and we can only stay out in this place until, I would say, you know, until it gets really cold out and the kids can't go outside. It's not worth yeah. being out, because we're on the water, so it would be freezing cold and not good for the kids, yeah. and it's a small place. So, you know, we'll move back to the city at some point. The curve has flattened in New York. It is, but I hear people are being stupid like they are everywhere else, not wearing masks and you that's know, what I heard. That's what I heard too. Um, it sounds like New York is about to experience like what LA has been experiencing because LA was doing really well, and once they decided to like open certain things up, people just lost their minds. And uh, like we will we'll take the dog to the park on the weekend, and it's like the first weekend where they where they made the announcement. Um, it was like people just. For, wanted to pretend that like this shit's not happening and like the basketball courts were mobbed nobody had masks on people were barbecuing 
there was like a brass band out there doing like a little concert. Like, no, you know, clearly not mass because <laughs> they're playing brass and all right. their friends and family are hanging out. And yeah, it was just they're, like... They're, they're, they're actively spraying them with yeah, spit. Yeah, spit out of their... Yeah, exactly. It, it was just like tw the Twilight Zone. So yeah. It's so like, we don't really go out much. We hit Whole Foods once a week. And um, aside from walking the dog, I barely end the, like, the weekly Whole Foods trip. I'm pretty much here 24-7. And um, I have like a little programming rig set up. And, um, let's talk yep. about let's talk about that because um, you know I think there's there, you you've been a very um, for as long as I've known you you've been I think ahead of ahead of what most drummers and professional drummers you you, you kind of always could see the next phase you know you obviously you've played on a million great records physically played on a million great records and then you know, kind of as hip-hop and mainstream music converged, you were really on top of programming and understanding that, yeah, like, I can play any of this. I can come in the studio and I can come and be Steve Wolf on the drums if you want me to look cool. Or I, And, and then you're going to put everything to the click track and it's going to be on a grid and you're going to quantize my thing yeah. if it's slightly off. Or yeah. I'm going to, right, or you're going to quantize yeah, yeah. it. Or, and so you started programming and... For Fred and I, like knowing you, we were yeah. like, "Oh, that guy's really hip because he's he knows he's not precious about he's a, yeah. an amazing drummer, but not precious about programming." Because you know how some musicians oh, yeah. Yeah. during that time really had an issue with programmed anything. When you're like, "Yeah, but I'm still a human being programming yeah. it," yeah, right. So talk yeah. about that transition. Talk about how is that probably the first part of your programming history where you went from drums into programming and then you know doing? Actually, it started before that. It's just it, it didn't really become so i want to back up a little bit so like in height when i was in high school i'm I, i'm pretty sure i'm older than you um i'm so 48 I'm, i have no problem okay yeah I'm, I'm 52 so um <laughs> we both yeah. look good so i don't give a fuck exactly yeah <laughs> although i definitely have some more more salt and pepper in here than you so. i know but my hair but, was gone before yours that's true but mine's we have the same haircut now too. i know yeah. That's because there's too many brains. It just pushes yeah. the hair away eventually. Exactly. I have a theory. Yeah. It's also something that gets us to settle down. Right? Yeah. So you... you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so like I was hard... And, and like... Like you and Fred also were guys that were like multi-instrumentalists. Take, you know, the... the not necessarily acoustic instrument because you played electric instruments, but not electronics. You know what I mean? Right, you got right, right. The, the 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 real actual instrument where you're creating a sound and the instrument. But you guys were also turntable culture programming, and so and I don't know what it was like for you, but for me, all of my stuff it wasn't. Oh, the work is going there. It was just organic. I grew up like I I was like sh transcribing like a bunch of fusion and straight ahead jazz records and and like hard like going hard as a drummer into that world but i was also like listening to the radio and when i starting when i was a junior high they didn't even call it hip-hop yet but it was become like you know rap was becoming a thing and most of that was was programmed and then sa like sampling became a little bit more of that um because the early shit it wasn't even samplers then then sampling kind of started to go right. on top of the drum machines or just replace them and um and so yeah, and and it wasn't just hip hop. It was it was the R and B of that time. It was a lot of stuff that was heavily programmed. So, and and then Prince, which was mainstream, but like the Lindrum was such a sound of when he really like hit his tipping point with mass popularity, like the Purple Rain record. 
like the detuned side stick on the Lindrum, to me, that was just a part of if you want to be making records that sound relevant, you need that sound. So I remember like I had a bunch of day jobs. So like I was washing cars, I was working at Baskin Robbins. And um, yeah, so I just remember like anytime I got some money, um, I was like, like saving up and getting some shit for my acoustic kit. And then also I bought the first, remember Simmons drums? Yeah, of course. So they made the first self-contained Simmons. It was an SDS-1, I believe. And it was just a single drum. And, and it had like a little, like the brains on the corner. And it right. was an EEPROM chip. And they used, it was called like an EEPROM blower to like put the sound on the chip. And that's the same technology the Lindrums had. And so it came stock with like, a f- you had your choice of a few different Simmons drum sounds. And I remember going to this music shop, Medley Music, just outside of Philly. And I asked one of the drum guys, what's that sound from the Prince records? And he's like, that's a, like a detuned side stick from a Lindrum machine. We have a Lindrum machine in the store here. I can make you that sound. So when I, I was gigging with a fusion band and I was also gigging with like, a, with like an R&B pop band with actually Dorn played bass, Billy Mann. I don't know if you're friends with Billy. I, I, you know, I never knew, it's funny because the circles in New York and you know, just wherever, yeah. it's like the same circles. I, Billy's name has come up a million times. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. so I, I, he was, I was never anything with, with Billy, but you know, like we all know the same people. But yeah, so this was in Philly and there was another guy, Clay Sears, who's like, was kind of now part of the Adam Blackstone group, was part of the Roots crew. And there was just a bunch of heavy, like, but we were all kids at the time. And so I remember we were playing like local battles of the bands and like proms and whatever. And I had my, like, for the fusion gigs, I had my big double bass. I want to be Billy Cobb kid. And then for the, for like the covers gigs, it was like a, like a four piece kit with the Simmons pad right under my hi-hat. So I could like catch those sounds. And um, so, and then I bought like a poor man's Lynn. I couldn't afford a Lindrum at the time. So I got this Yamaha RX, 15 or 21 i forget which model number and it was just i learned to do basic programming because i remember hearing when i was like i remember scooping ice cream at baskin robbins <laughs> and i heard like sucker mcs on the radio for the first time right and i was like man i know that's not a real drum set i love the way that sounds i want to be able to make like these kinds of beats and i was experimenting with with production by taking two boom boxes and just bouncing not even with cables just pl- like pressing play and and having the other boombox recording while I would play along with like my drum machine track playing through the speakers and just overdubbing. If friends left guitars or basses at my house, I would just play some like rudimentary shit. So yeah, I would do the same exact thing with an R8 drum machine where I would reamp oh. it through a guitar amp. Yeah. This was in high school. Yeah. And I would play it through the guitar amp and then re-record it into yeah. my four track because I yeah. love the way that just the drums loved, yeah. got bombastic. Yeah. And, and I was like, I ended up getting an R8, that was my first really good drum machine. This was like after I dropped out of Berkeley and I, I swapped out like my gigantic fusion drum kit to the same store <laughs> I bought it from. Before, and I walked out, I like walked in there with like a, a carload of drums and walked out with, with a, an R8 and like two of those ca- expansion cards. And um, I remember that. The R8 yeah. was like, I love, there was a certain set of drums in the R8 that I really, really loved. Yeah. And it didn't have all of the sounds that I was looking, you know, like, like you, I was doing the same thing. I was really into early hip hop and really like also into industrial music. So when R8 was great (laughs) for industrial electronic music, the predecessor to like techno and all that. 
Yeah. And so I was really into Skinny Puppy and Nine Inch Nails and yeah. Fraction 4 too. Yeah. And those were the sounds of those oh, yeah, bands. Those I, yeah, they, they had some big-ass kicks and snares on there. That, that, that was those sounds. And, 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 and even some of like the early like New Jack Swing-inspired in, R&B stuff on the radio was also clearly like the, there were certain... I'll still hear records from that era, and I'll be like, that's an R8 snare drum. So yeah. give me one second. I'm here. I'm just uh, going to hit the AC. No worries. I've had that before. Is it hot there today? Because today it's nice yeah. and cool out. We have a nice breeze going on. And, and, and yeah, it's a little hot. Um, you, know, you know what? You, you, and again, it, it sounds like we've all kind of had a similar... Well, it's the love of the music, right? You're a <laughs> yeah. drummer. I was a guitar player. It was the yeah. love of the music. It was to be able to make the music. One thing that I... It, it's funny when you talk about... You, you, I don't know how to ex explain this or talk about it. Um, I never cared about... I don't care... It, as a producer about anything except the end result yeah i don't care how you make it i don't care how the sound is generated i don't care if you have to play every single note with one finger and you yeah. make an amazing production yeah. my concern is the end result so yeah. you know there are guys who play guitar better than me there are people who play you know drums better than i can program whatever but as long as my productions sound the right way i'm happy and yeah. one of the things that I always hated about The Roots when they first started, you brought up The Roots a little bit earlier, yeah. I couldn't stand that Questlove's drum sounds. I loved him as a drummer, but his, yeah. his, his needing to use that weird pitched up kick and snare, I hated it. I was, I was like, one of the things I could not stand about The Roots. And years later, I heard him talking about how he was like, had this thing about how it has to sound like live drums. It has to sound yeah. like live drums. And yeah. at some point one day he woke up and was like, what am I talking about? Yeah. It's, yeah. It just has to sound like how I want it to sound. Yeah. And he started changing the drum sounds. Yeah. And like, that's a weird thing for me, that kind of sort of purist mentality, which is like, well, if it's got a, I've never yeah. really had that. Yeah. I, 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 I dig that sound, but I also dig when he plays with like a fat, like loose snare and, and but I hear what you're saying with that and um the precious thing. Like I was never like that. And I remember in so when I started touring, because I was doing I, I was getting session work here and there, but it wasn't until I stopped touring. Like full I just made the decision I'm not touring and I'm I know the phone's not gonna ring as much for session work, but eventually when people know I'm in town, it'll start picking up. Yeah. But if when I was touring, like the f as soon as I could afford it, I bought like a pad controller and triggers for my kick and snare and and like individual pads like around my acoustic kit, so I I could really now it's called hybrid drumming and it's a huge it's like a marketing term like that that like Roland uses and and because it's it's ubiquitous now well not now nobody's touring but up up until a few months ago any drummer with a mainstream act on tour is going to have like a Roland SPD, like, you know, the new Octopad, like at least one with their kit. And like, they all have like the laptop to the side and that's just part of the thing with mixing the, and, but back in the day there were, there were only a handful of doing it. But so I like the idea of playing an acoustic kit, but being triggered the electronic sounds to layer my kick and snare. So, if I were playing with, with the big artist and their latest, it was programmed, then I, I would just get like the masters and get a sample of the kick and the snare, a program snare from that track song. Either my tech or, or I would, um, it's like at the time I was using a drum cat and I later couldn't stand that thing and switched to Roland, but we would just advance the cat and there would be like a new kit and a different kick and snare that I'm triggering with my acoustic kick and snare. And then the, the front of house guy has 
or girl that has um like you know my my acoustic kick mics and then the the triggers for each song and um and I like the idea of I'm still playing an acoustic kit, but I can kind of augment the sounds and um and then also to I, I would choose specific symbols because it's like well this these hats sound a little more nine oh nine to me so i'll use these <laughs> and so i was doing that and then once i shifted out of that because people will hit me up now i'll get like emails from from old drummer friends who are still touring they're like yo man what are you using these days i'm like i don't use anything if i'm playing drums i'm just playing drums because it's all in the studio how i'm getting the sound why am i gonna like try and like tweak the fuck out of my drum kit when i can just use an 808 or 909 kit and program it so that's kind of where i'm at now like i like I, it's all a mixture. It's all, I have no qualms about beat detecting my live drums. And I'll do records where in the pre-production, I'll use a dig drums, which we've talked about before to, yeah. to get like an, like, and I can program a very convincing, like sound acoustic drum part, but that's all in addictive drums. And, um, and then like after that, like, well, and I'll also have all the electronic shit that's happening, like programming that's supposed to sound electronic. And then once the rest of the, the music is done, and then we'll go back, the producer might say, okay, let's make up your live kit, replace the addictive drum stuff, and keep like the electronic shit, and then we'll, we'll beat detect it and line up all of your acoustic drums. And then once all that's done, we'll A, B it. And sometimes it's a really expensive process for the producer to do that, because we're, you know, we're in like an expensive studio with a great engineer. And spending a few hours and then we'll a b the, the addictive drums part and then the, the redetected on the grid and it's 50 50 you know like sometimes we'll be like you know what the addictive drums just just sounds better and we're kind of used to that because we built the record on top of that and i have no ego about yeah just lose my acoustic drums and go back to the addictive drums so um i really it's yeah i mean i like, find like i you, think yeah, I, I feel like, you know, once you spend the time programming the drums <laughs> properly, you and, and you and texturally you're you know, as a as a producer, you're adding instruments and you're EQing and mixing as you go along and you're, you're doing all this stuff. That if you program the drums properly to begin with, it's really hard to outplay them. I think yeah. in a lot of ways if you program them properly. I mean addictive drums like when I I had called Steve I don't know, a couple of years ago to ask, like, what are you using for your drum sounds these days? Because, you know, we all have the same electronic stuff, but I really yeah. wanted another level of acoustic drums. And, 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 the, and luckily, the Addictive Drums full package, whatever that was, was on, like, 50% yeah. off, so I just bought the entire thing. Yeah. And, you know, when I, when I produce rock bands, that's primarily what I'm using to program. And it, yeah. it, it always sounds real to me. Always. Yeah. Like, you yeah. can... I just feel like records are records. They have a sound of what you're making. And there's this like, unless you're, you know, you're doing a lot of um, rock timing changes that require a band to be gelled together and really play. Cause it's yeah. very strange time changes, which is, takes forever to program. Like, I, you know, that's a different thing, but in general, if you're doing something that's relatively close to the grid, even if you speed up just before the chorus yeah. to have the chorus be what a BPM or two faster, and you do all that yeah. programming, once you record on top of it, it just sounds it's dynamic. Yeah, it's, the the only the real difference for me, and this is when we opt to to go with a live version, even if it's so close, it's it's there's there's something about the air because yeah, I was going to say the, the air. Drop, with addictive drums, you, you've got it's like a virtual for people who haven't used it. It's like looking at a virtual desk, 
and you've got your overheads and you've got your rooms and you can make it sound like like it's a real drummer playing a real like a full kit like as an instrument as opposed to like like very isolated sounds but the truth is is at the end of the day when you're playing a real kit um you're going to get sympathetic vibrations from every part of the kit to every other part of the kit and there's something with that like that mesh and with certain acts it, it just it just feels better because sonically the sound it's and it's subtle and, and for a lot of people's ears they won't even pick up on it but like you, you or I would definitely hear the difference. It's like, yeah, like it's like the instrument is breathing as an instrument in this chorus, and it just lacks that with with the addictive drums. So, but again, it's a subtle thing. Well, I, I think it's subtle if you don't do all the parts that need to be done. Um, I, sorry, I take that back. One of the things that I think young drummers don't know, and young producers and young musicians don't know, <laughs> is that. If a drum kit is tuned for that recording, it makes a, yeah. a, a tremendous difference, right? If, yeah. if everything is tuned for the key of the recording, you're yeah. going to get this harmonic vibration that happens with a drum yeah. kit. And yeah. then that gives a resonance that makes the whole recording. It's sort of like adding the analog vibration to, to yeah. it. And, 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 and but most drummers don't have that wherewithal to change the tunings between yeah. each track, or they don't like, if they're going into the studio to say, let's say cut 12 songs, they yeah. don't say and look at the key of all 12 of those songs and be like, okay, I can <laughs> do these five songs in this key, yeah. these yeah. three songs in this, right? I mean, that's a lot for a drummer to take on and tune all this, yeah. right? So, yeah. but as a producer, I do think about that because I'm programming all the time. So I'm putting my kick and snare in yeah. key. Yeah. And then obviously my ears hear the hi-hats and, yeah. the, and, the, and the cymbals, yeah. which I don't yeah. think of being in key, but they do have... yeah. They do sound better if you tune them to the right. Yeah. Yeah. So that, well, there, there's that, and I do that, and even like, the, I'll just give this because it's it's probably the most well-known example of a record I, where I did this on. It was uh, with Luke the, uh, "Wrecking Ball" by Miley Cyrus. Yeah. It's a really basic, to me, dubstep inspiring inspired sounds for the chorus, but it's just kick, snare, kick, snare. That's it, and there's no drums in the verse. And it was already programmed, and, and he was like, hey, I just want to, like, fatten the sound a little bit, and I just wanted, like, you to record a live acoustic kit, but, like, a big bottom-sized kit. And, and then that's going to be, like, the air on top of the samples. And it's the kind of thing where when, I, when, it's, when you listen to it, you don't even, you're, not, you're not necessarily noticing the acoustic drums, but if you muted them in the mix, you notice that it's gone. And it's right. a different kind of air than just putting reverb on the samples. So, but to do, even though I knew I wasn't using tom i had these big ass like 14 inch rack tom 16 18 four tom and i tuned them to either a root or a fifth of the of the track so when i'm hitting this big boomy kick and this big cracking snare drum you're hearing the whole kit like vibrate in unison harmonically and so that stuff makes a difference but but even with addictive drums i'll get in there and i'll do the same thing i'll, I'll dial the sim like all of the the samples so it's the same thing i would do on an acoustic kit but the difference is and again, it's a subtle thing. It's um, all those drums, the samples will be ringing in, like in the same key, but there's not the same kind of unison where, where, where like, where literally the sound of each drum and the cymbals to a bit with acoustic drums changes because all, everything's vibrating with everything else. Well, the resonant, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think yeah, yeah, it's so interesting that they haven't put that parameter in yet because... There is well. First of all, I think the next level, let's say, of, of, of addictive drums or something like that, should be auto tuned. Meaning, 
you select a key of the drums, it tunes them automatically, and then it adds the th sympathetic resonance. That yeah, well, would be that, the next level. Well, that's the thing, and and they they try to do that. And if you if you've messed with like a like a latest for the last how many years with the Roland V drum brain, you can add you can dial in like snare buzz, sympathetic snare buzz on the kick and the toms if you want, and it's getting closer and closer. And they'll do things where they'll have an like an envelope where. The, like a velocity envelope where like the harder you like the harder velocity you choose whatever sound then it'll change the pitch because that'll happen if you if you dig into yeah, it if you, yeah because you hit it it yeah. goes that slightly out of so, tune because that's so, what it so is it's, they're doing they're doing ways that it's trying to be like a virtual model of that but until that's there that's the one thing that like all, you you need to be actually like creating a sound from vibrations from scratch with a kit in in the room um but someone, someone, someone asked, "How do you tune your?" How, he's saying, "How do you guys tune your drums?" And I, I, you answer, and I'll answer because you're also. Okay. I'm not tuning acoustic kits, so let me just b yeah. back up one time. So also, okay. I recently did a record. <clears throat> I think it was last summer. I actually at Mission Sound, and we used your drums, yeah. and they were just, and they, and I was, thank you very much. But yeah, I love that your drums <laughs> comes full circle. I've known Steve for a very long time, yeah. and. And I just happened to be in a studio which has a great sound with good analog gear. And they were like, oh, by the way, this is Wolf's drums. And I was like, of course they are. And you just, you have your house, your drums. But they sounded great and they were tuned nicely and they really, yeah. you, yeah. you know, so talk about acoustic tuning and then I talk about electric tuning and I'll tell you how I tune my stuff. Okay, so with, with acoustic drums, um, it's, I'm pretty basic. Now they have all these like, artisanal like muffling products for for like and some of the stuff's really beautifully built and really high-end i just use duct tape and paper towels for muffling like i don't get into any of the fancier shit and um so the first thing i do is just a selection process so like if you can go to the right symbols and the right snare it's now kicks and toms matter but it's the the, the snare is at the very center of like the, the ears range so the snare is really the sound you want to dial in and it's the backbeat it's happening for most popular music, it's it's happening every two and four of every bar. So the ear, just like vocals, like really goes to the snare. So to the snare just, and I used to be one of those guys that when I first started getting endorsements and had a lot of gear, I would show up to to a session with like every size and every kind of material snare. <laughs> and then eventually I was like, you know, there are these like the workhorse, I call them the strats and the Les Pauls of snare drums or like the Ludwig five by 14 and the Ludwig six and a half by 14 metal shell drum and the, the the most ubiquitous one is a superphonic which is aluminum with a chrome plating but like uh mike caffrey who's an engineer i i used to do a lot of shit with he i told him for this one session i was like oh you need he had a shallow one but i was like you need to buy the six and a half like i call it the bottom snare it's he's the most famous guy to use that snare the six and a half version and he bought the acrylite which is a student model that doesn't have the chrome plating and um and I was like, man, this actually records better because it's like just a little drier. It still has that that aluminum shell sound. But so basically now all I bring or if I'm using backline or using this studio, how should I just bring out two snares? The, those two snares, um, the Ludwig met aluminum five by 14 and six and a half by 14. And if I can't, I'm not too precious about that. If I can't get that, then I'll like a Ludwig Black Beauty, which is the same. Basically, they're all the same model snare with that beat in the center, but it's just it's brass or aluminum, or chrome over brass, or nickel over brass. Um, but it's basically, the shallow one to me is a Strat, the, the deeper one is a Les Paul. And it's gotcha. like, 
That's and funny because I I have I'm sitting right behind me is my Fender Strat which I yeah. use or behind there yeah. which I use on almost every single record. It's, just, it's, it's like that. it just when you learn how to play one instrument very well, yeah. all of the sounds come out of it. You know what needs to be modified, right? It's yeah. like yeah. so so having all of that stuff is sometimes a hindrance because you have to yeah you don't know enough about each one. Yeah, and and just like with guitars, now there's a bunch of Strat unless Paul knockoffs by other brands. And same thing with every drum, every major drum manufacturer makes their version of like those snares. But that, so I just use that and like just choosing the right one, like you, like the drum I, um, version of do I want humbuckers or single coils for this? So I'll choose that I'll, and then I'll dial that in and I always tune to either a root or a fifth of the drum. And the thing with drums is because it's two heads, sometimes you're going to get like vibrations where there's a harmonic overtone aside from the main thing. So you got to just dial all that stuff in, decide if I'm, how much muffling I'm using, how much I want to loosen the snares up. So you're getting snare buzz. And, um, that's the main thing. And then, yeah, then I'll tune the toms. Um, I'm not going to get too technical. There actually is, uh, a harmonic interval between the bottom head and the top head that, that will give you like the, the best, like most resonant sound. Um, but that's like real drum nerdy shit. So I'll just say I, I get everything dialed in where I want them. I choose the right symbols, but like by weight and diameter, like diameter, and and that's pretty much it. And then, and then it's like working with an engineer like Oliver at Mission, who I trust, who like will get me the sound because it's not once you get the kit sound, it's like okay, but how do we want to like mic these and process these? And so like I'll always be like, oh, we're going for Bonham, or we're going for Back in Black, or we're going for like. Uh, Motown, or we're going for like 70s Don Henley Eagles, more like drier, tighter sound, whatever it is. Like, I can reference the sound and he'll know like where to place the mics, which mics to use, and like how we're going to like process that shit. Yeah. So, that, Karsh that, Kale just joined, by the way, and, and, and he said, I like to drum <laughs> nerdy shit. By the way, Karsh, I want to have you on the re up. So, let's talk after this. I've been, your name has come up a number of times, so I want to make sure you get on here. Cool. All right. So, 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 so also, I, do you, with your acoustic set, in tuning, do you ever take the bass? Well, because it's going to be an acoustic bass generally. But yeah. in electronics, I have a. We'll talk about too. But I, but I, the way that I tune my kick and snare also have to do with where the bass is going to sit. Well, that's yeah, for sure. And it's but that's not to take it a step like um, beyond that is like what I play with my kick drum. Once I got more <coughs> into production and became more aware of the bigger picture, that if like my it's rare. You're going to have to produce, you're going to have to really beg me, not beg me, but just insist that I play a busy kick drum pattern. Cause most things I just feel like the kick drum is stepping all over everything else. And, and I can imply if there's a certain syncopated feel they want, I can apply that with, with ghost notes on the snare or with something else. But I like there, there would have like when I was younger and I would start doing sessions, if the, if the bass guitar, especially if it's like a real bass, or like a or like a, a synth bass that but it's a pretty big sound. Um, I would be doubling it, and I might be boom, 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 boom. Right, you would be busy. Yeah, it's just it's like it's just like fighting with the bass bass frequency. So now I'll just be boom, tap, boom, got boom, boom, whatever it is. I'll find. I'll be like, okay, what's what are the essential like pushes and and like like rounding kick drums that I need in there, and then I leave everything else out. And it's also like, I will generally muffle my kick drum, and I'll dig the beater into it when I need that, like, thud. And it, like, 
as opposed to like wanting to like feather the kick and have it like like ring and stay open and have like the kick tune to a note like I'm playing bebop or something. It's very different. But yeah, for most stuff that's not that, it's I'm going for a relatively dead kick sound. And um and and, and also like leaving a lot of space with my kick parts. I think now that electronic music has made really its way subsonically into pop music and a lot of the records you're probably working on and have been working on the last 10 years, mm-hmm. that that balance between that thick sub bass that's often used yeah. in a trap bass, 808 bass, and then yep. the kick drum, like you said, it needs yep. to have a punch to it, it, but it doesn't need that big boomy tone that it used to yeah. have because the sub yeah. bass is in the way now. Exactly. And if you think about you know, like a group like Metallica or a metal band where that bass sound was really sort of up mid-bass, yeah. much more higher up in register, because yeah. the kick started to like, take up all that room, yeah. that lower sub-frequency, and so the bass is almost like this weird non-bassy instrument yeah. In, yeah. Right, in rock and metal, but now that things are... In pop music, you have this very full-frequency spectrum, very tight low-end, subby, tight drums, very tight snare very programmed hi-hats and then you know the vocals have all this yeah. room yeah i think it you know there's a lot of programming techniques that are important it's you know people are always like why, why does your when you program rock drums why do they sound real when you pro- yeah. you know and so that's something i get into a lot with people in, in terms yeah. of getting you know getting the, the the right balance between those items yeah. um what's up you know, for me so like so, so do you do you use anything so yeah. so Probably the person was asking, how do you specifically tune the drum? Do you okay. use a kind of tuner or do you use an EQ? No, no, just, just, just um, use your ear and a key. And um, I, didn't, I never started with, with this interval, but eventually, like, one day I was like, let me just see what the interval is. And it's, it's basically my resonant head is going to be a minor third above the batter head. And, and, that, and then each head has to be uniform. So, like... What you'll do is if I'm using, and I love single-headed toms. When I was young, I was like, oh, that's corny. And the older I got, I was like, no, single-headed toms are the shit. They have that bark. And um, whether it's like that Phil Collins gated single-headed toms or if it's more like like the, like the like just a really funky, like the drum fill at the beginning of the Commodore's Brick House. I'm pretty sure those are single-headed toms. Yeah. So, um, but, so, but if what I'll do is if it's double-headed tom, you mute one head and then you just go around the, the the rim and you tap very lightly like so you can and i learned this from playing timpani when i was a kid because now timpani have what has like a pedal where it's you have gears and depending on where you are on the gear you can pre-configure the drum to 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 go like to a bunch of different notes because if you're playing in a, in a symph- symphonic piece you're gonna have you, you can't have 12 timpani around you 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 know you only have so many drums so you have to make changes as the song changes so um, and I remember, but back in the day, like you used a pitch pipe and your ear to, and like twist like knobs to tune timpani. So uh, that's how I learned to do that. And so you do the same thing with your acoustic toms. You tap around by each um, lug and then you'll know if you need to go up or down. And then you, and then and every drum kind of kind of has a sweet spot with, within a range. That's why I said I'll either tune to a root or a fifth of the key of the song. And I just do that because any other note can kind of end up stepping on it, depending if the chords change. But a root and a fifth, you're basically safe. Yeah. So, um, and so if that Tom's sweet spot is like too far away from the fifth, then I choose the root or vice versa. And, uh, uh, and then I'll dial and then I'll go to the resin and I'll usually start with the, um, I guess, I don't know. I usually start with the bottom head, with the resonant head. Um, 
it got and already being able to hear a, a minor third above like the oh no no that's actually not true the note you're hearing really is the resonant head when you're hitting it you're getting the attack of the batter head but but i'm really dialing the note in with with the resonant head um snare is a little different because <laughs> snare i just crank the fuck out of the bottom head and i just get it so it's like very tight and then i dial the sound in with the top head with the snare and, and then also with the snares, with, with the snare buzz, because that will affect, the, the, like, even where you're hearing the drum ring. Um, and then that's, that's with acoustic drums. With, and the kick is also, like, a different animal. Like I said, if I'm doing something with an open kick, I'll do the same thing, full front head. But usually I don't even have a front head on the kick or there's a big hole cut out of it, and, and it's more of a punch. And you still, I'll just dial it into where, where it feels good and, like, literally feels good, where, like, it just feels right with my, my beater hitting the drum. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then, and then there are times where you want a little bit of a wrinkle on the head with the kick. Um, toms and snares, unless I'm going for like just a real like warbly effect, I, I will make sure that the, the head has a uniform pitch to it. Um, and then um, earlier I was mentioning like with muffling, like duct tape, if I need more than duct tape, I, I fold up a paper towel and put it under the duct tape. My, my favorite is always the wallet or no wallet. Someone takes oh, yeah. out their wallet. You know, they take out the, the leather wallet, yeah. put it on there, and then that's always the best sound. You just tape that's, that thing on there. That's to me what I'm just kind of recreating with, with, with enough, like, folded paper towel. And um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't even – I haven't used a wallet for years. Like, I have – it's basically a business card case, that, and it just has a credit card and, like – Right. Yeah. Um, so, but, like, I'll use – like Oliver at Mission sometimes, he'll just come out when he sees me pulling out the paper towel and he'll just pull out his wallet and he'll put on the snare for me. But, um, but anyway, but that's acoustic drums with electronic drums. Like I was using an MPC for most of my, like by the time I, I was in New York and, and getting more session work, it was MPC 3000 for years. And that was easy to just, I would either do 16 levels with pitch and find the, the note, or I would just like tune the individual pad with, with a, with the main data wheel. Um, but I, I haven't touched an NPC in years. So I'll pitch if I'm programming on the grid and just importing sounds, I use Serato pitching time because I just like, cause I'm working in pro tools and I like it better than <coughs> uh, Avid's pitch plugin. Um, and then if I'm not, if I'm using something like battery or addictive drums then I'll just, they all have their own, you know, it's as simple as just like dialing. Yeah. 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 What I what I do technically, I have none of the acoustic skills that you have, none whatsoever. And when I did that session, Mario McNulty and I think it was Oliver, yeah. they they Mario engineered the the session and we, yeah. and Oliver set up the drums and all that, and they took care of it. and It sounded monstrous. But for me, with electronic drums, I find it um, snare is very easy because it's easy to find that you know the the resonant frequency, and you just you bounce up and down in octaves and try you know mm -hmm. depending on what the snare is. And I do the same thing, root or fifth. This, usually for the snare, it's usually the root for me. Yeah. And then on the kick, sometimes I have trouble subsonically hearing what the pitch is because they're so low. It's not yeah. like a, a rock kick. So I'll do one of two things. Um, I will use three different methods. One, Sorry, three different methods. The first one is I'll take the kick and I'll pitch it up an octave so I can hear it as a note. And I'll just do it, and then I'll try yeah. to tune it ear-wise as a note that I'm hearing against a piano note. So that's what, that's what I'll do. Because you know a lot of yeah. kicks have movement in them they said that yeah. they, they do this thing where it's like 
yeah. very quickly. Yeah. So it starts on one note, which not, might not be the root, and yeah. ends on another note. So I want to find the balance there, and then I'll pitch it back down that octave yeah. so that I know what key yeah. that's in. And then I will move, like you're saying, in battery, like a, a yeah. plus or minus one or two, depending yeah. on the key, right? Yeah. And the other way I do that is I'll use FabFilter's EQ with the keyboard's uh, you can look at the frequencies and they oh, have like cool. a keyboard set up on the bottom and yeah. you can look at the resonant frequency of the kick and you can see the peak. So what I'll do is I'll look to say, okay, oh, look, that's a C sharp or that's a D, you know, yeah. that's what's, that's happening. It freezes on that. So I'll use fa the FabFilter EQ to do that. And then the last way I'll do it to tr double and triple check after I do all of my drums yeah. is I will take out any musical instruments and I will use... Um, <coughs> What is it? Uh, sorry, I'm not going to Mixed in Key has a plug-in that will tell you the, the, the key of the song that you're working on by putting on the output bus. Yeah. And I'll just let the drums play and see what notes come up on yeah. Mixed in Key's plug-in just to make sure that my ears haven't tricked me or whatever. Oh, or there's a weird tone that's in there that I yeah. made a mistake. And so those are the three things that I do to dial in electronic drums. Then the kick, where that will sit, will be either, depending on what's going on with the bass... So the key of the song will depend, do I use the root or where the kick sits? Because, you know, this, you only want to go down to D. I think it's D1 in electronic music with the sub bass, because below yeah. that, people's speakers can't really handle it. Yeah. So if, I'm, if I've got, let's say, if D1 is the, is the sub bass, then my kick is not going to be D1. It's going to be above yeah. that. If the, yeah, yeah, so yeah. that's what I tend to do, is put the kick in a place that's not going to conflict with uh. the sub bass. And then, you know... So sometimes I'll even do the drums and have to go back and change them because the keys, I'm like, oh, I didn't pay attention to the key. Yeah, I was going to say something else I should add is usually when I'm programming, not an acoustic thing, but if I'm doing anything that's, that's like electronic sounds, <coughs> excuse me, I will layer sounds. So, right. And it's kind of the same concept as when you're, you know, in the studio with the real kick, you usually have a kick, a mic inside the kick, a mic in front, and then you'll have, like, the sub-bass. And then you'll also be getting kick feeding into, like, the overheads and rooms. So when I'm, when I'm layering sample, like, samples, whether it's, like, a punchy 909 or just, like, a, like an old slice from, like, an old record, whatever it is, I'll, I'll, I'll try to, like, find sounds that complement each other. So, like, I'm getting some, some one sound is just for the punch, yeah, and I'll even put like a, a DS10, or what, you can use whatever transient thing you want. But I, I like the XLN DS10 transient tool, and I'll just I'll take I'll just make it so it's just punch. And then if there's another sound that's more of that that wolf I want, then I'll let that one breathe a little more. I might even add some breath to it with the transient going the other way. And um, and then something occasionally you'll, you'll run into phase issues when you're stacking kick samples. And then I think it was Mario, actually, who showed me how to like cancel like the phase issues with that. It's funny. Like I, I, you're, you're still, uh, there's so many good kick plugins now, like the yeah. Romero kick two with where you can do the click and you can do yeah. the, I don't even mess with, I mean, I have, I have my battery samples and I have a ton yeah. of like kicks that have been sampled off of records. Yeah. I just use that and I'll just <coughs> dial in and EQ those. I don't even bother with it. Cause I'm like, these are in phase. I'm going to deal with it. Yeah. I don't really care that much. And I'll just, you know, yeah. ultimately, when a song is produced well, you you start to like. You're the drummer, so you have to be look at those details. But like, yeah. I'm looking at the whole holistic thing, and I'm like, eh, I'll get rid of the high end of that kick because I'm going to be having you know like the snare is going to yeah. you know, whatever. And, but you know, that's all interesting stuff. Let's talk a, talk a little bit about. We just totally nerded out on tuning drums for like yeah. 20 minutes. 
This is the most technical one I've ever done. I love it. <laughs> um, let's talk about a little bit about the records you've been working on and how that's changed during this time. It, for us, okay. studio guys, like, you know, obviously you were playing on a lot of drums, but because you've been programming so yeah. much that, it, you know, for like, for me, I'm still in business because I've, I'm a band yeah. in the box to begin with. How are you? Talk about how you know records are coming in for you, and then the process for you to program, and then what are people asking for from you? Like how are you doing it so that people have an understanding of kind of how the modern drum programming thought process goes on. I'm gonna grab some water. Give me one second because I'm, I'm like coughing way too much. <laughs> you you got a hairball, Steve. It's like you, you yeah. got that little dog now. Now you have hair in the back of your throat. Oh man, listen, I've never had a dog before. This is the first time. I would I would have thought, you know, you with all your, your stuff, you would have been like madly allergic to dogs or cats or something like that and you know. Um, I'm very allergic to cats, except for Abyssinian cats. Um Dogs. This our dog is a mutt, but he's mostly hypoallergenic. And um he looks like it's funny, he looks like a little wolf and his name is Lobo. Which for people who don't know Lobo is wolf in Spanish, but totally coincidental, my girls had this dog for years random and, you're becoming yeah. like a regular normal person it's a little strange it, yeah. you know in, in your in your older age just like normal hours normal like relatively normal girlfriend yeah. you have yeah, a dog now dog, and it's like it's there's light coming in here there's wallpaper like uh, <laughs> i like uh, it it's, she's I call you aaron, aaron or ming i don't know what it, and, uh, whatever it doesn't matter okay, to me. um so yeah but like ming's been to my place in new york it's like a cave and it's like it's not just a cave it's like a cave like the walls and ceiling are like a like a faux finish like metallic like antique gold it's like walking into a rock video from the 80s it's just yeah. it's like i love it it's wolf it yeah. is what it is but it's it's very yeah man cave it's man cave but it's like it's it's like it's like, like goth man cave yeah it's well decorated because like i don't have regular lights i have like moroccan lanterns hanging with blue light bulbs in them it's just yeah and like a big statue of shiva and like it's just yeah it's it's like, anyway, so that's the vibe. Yeah, here it's a very different vibe out here. So, yeah, I, I have definitely flipped a lot of things. Do you think when you guys move back to New York, she'll, like, you know, help you bring some color into your life and, like, well, change no, that up a little bit so she's not suffocating? We're treating it like my spot in New York is our New York apartment. Her spot out here is our L.A. apartment. And, like, we decorate, like, this is her place. It's been, she's got a great eye. Like, we, we have very, we respect each other's styles, aesthetics, but, like, very different. So, like, the New York place stays the way the New York place is. Her place out here stays the way it is. And, and uh, it's cool. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, so I'm mildly allergic to Lobo, but not that bad. But I've been around other other dogs where I just, like, my eyes are all puffy. It's a, it's a little bit out here. A little bit right. of so let's talk about let's talk about yeah. like the modern rec, like how that's coming around and like just the process because I think people will be interested in that. So, you know? so yeah, the um, and you do a lot of work for Luke, so that, that that's that's very you know. Well, I was gonna say like I don't do as much work for him um, because when when he first moved out here, <coughs> um, he he signed a bunch of his inner circle who had been working with him up until then to his publishing production company, and I opted to not do that. And, um, I, so at that point he was like, well, he didn't really want me to be, need me to be programming on anything. Cause at that point he had everybody in house programming, he can program. And unless it was a really specific thing, like he did have me tweak some programming on some, some Benny Blanco stuff. Like when Benny became his like main guy. Um, but generally for a while he would either throw me remix work 
and I would do remixes of the singles. Or he would, like, Wrecking Ball. Like, he's like, hey, I want you to add some, like, acoustic drums to this track. So, but it was less and less acoustic drums. And, um, and now what I'll do for him is, like, more... It's more, it's more on the production end of thing where, where he'll send me something. I'll say, listen to this. What are you hearing here? And then, or, like, I've been helping him with... I don't even know if I'm supposed to talk about what the project is, but it's not a traditional, like, hey, play on this track, but it's more of, like, a, a general, like... Um, yeah, you're working on production. You're helping him with the sonic ideas. I get that. It's cool. I mean, you... Well, it's not... But there's a, a whole separate thing that we're, that we're doing with, with drum programming, but it's not for a specific record. It's just kind of developing a thing. And so, um, so yeah, so there's that. But as far as, like, day-to-day, -day, like, sessions that I'm doing, it's... Um, especially since the lockdown started, I'm only programming only because I don't have, I can't like set up a kit in the apartment here. And even though there is a place out here that that's kind of like what mission is, because that kit in mission is not even my kit. It's just, it's my kit because I use it all the time. Um, mm. So there's a place out here where um, in Burbank, that's pretty easy to get to where the guy, same thing. It's like you walk in and a bunch of drums I've played are there and live there. And just like Oliver, who's a drummer, the, the Charlie who owns this studio is a drummer originally. He's a great engineer. So like when it's a little safer to, to just be in a room with other people, I'll take some sessions out there. But so far the, the handful of things that people have hit me up to do acoustic drums on I refer to friends that have home students, like high-end home students. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like my friend, do you know Nier? You remember Nier Z? Uh, I don't know. He's like the, the, this, the, the lone Israeli drummer in Nashville. But he's like <laughs> running shit. Like he was just on the cover of Mountain Drummer. He's, he's one of the, like the most working guys in Nashville. And he has a studio in his... He also works in like all the Nashville studios, but he has a really nice home studio. Um, so like I refer to a couple... I'll refer shit to him all the time. And so I'm just programming here and I have, I have a, like a laptop version of my desktop, like Pro Tools rig in New York out here. Um, and it's, it's the same thing I was talking about. Like if somebody can live with fake acoustic drums, I'll just use addictive drums and do it that way. Um, but most of the stuff I've been doing has been just fully programmed like trap beats or, you know, or like everything now is cross. It's a crossover. It's not necessarily trap music, but it's a pop song where they want like a trap beat. Yeah, it's so, like a tra trap drums on, yeah. on everything now. Yeah, but I did just do something where they wanted like 80s, like arena rock. So I, I layered some electronic sounds to kind of give it a little bit more of a modern take. But with, um, you know, the black velvet um, ad pack. Yes. For, like that's that's that big, massive stadium kit. So the, I use, I think the preset in there is like bigger overhead and room or something. So it's just this big, huge kit. And I'll just layer that with like a a punchy electronic kick and like some hand claps or whatever. And, um, so yeah, but it's been, a, it's, it's been weird since, cause like living in New York, I like, we were talking about my schedule. Like one of the reasons I, I kept vampire hours, cause it's like, I could just work all night and it's quiet and like, and not just quiet on my street, but like quiet, like most people aren't calling me or texting me cause everybody's asleep. So I, it would be easy for me to do eight, 12 hour, like programming runs every night. And, um, out here it's very different. So it's like, I am, 
I've caught up on so many like Netflix shows recently. And I'm like, at first I was beating myself up. It's like, you, you know, I'm not my usual productive self. And it's like, you know what? And like a lot of my friends have been saying the same thing. We've all been going nonstop for decades. And it's like, none of us ever felt okay about just taking time, like to, to slow down a little bit. So I'm definitely not working. It's the, I'm not sitting in front of my rig every day. Like, I think you you learn to work a lot smarter, and you forgive yourself yes. for the yeah. for the personal time that you take. Because you, I find now, when something is gnawing at me, like I have to, I have to do like a you know an instrumental for a hip hop artist that I'm producing, mm -hmm. and I'll start. It'll like I'll know I have to do it, and it'll gnaw at me a little bit because I'm like I have to do this. I need to sit down and do it, and then when I sit down and do it, it takes me an hour and a half. Yeah. Like literally an hour and a half, yeah. two hours, and it's banging just like anything else that might have taken yeah. me four hours in the past. Because yeah. I've worked it all out of my head already. Yeah. And taking the time off to like breathe and go do other things, yeah. like play chess with my kid and do like, yeah. you know, like well, I'm not really worried about it at this point. I think maybe now we realize that you're at a, we're all at a skill level because yeah. we've been doing this long enough that it's really second nature that when you sit down and you're focused to do it, you don't need yeah. all that extra time. The yeah. extra time and that, you know, for me, the late night working hours, you're one of the few people why I make fun of it just because it's like you're, you're a vampire. But yeah. you were one of the few people that I would know that actually would get stuff done on those hours. The biggest problem that I had with late night working with bands is that be after 6.30, 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock, that's when I say basically booty and drugs come into play or plans. Yeah. So yeah. people will be at the studio and they're thinking about that girl or that guy that they want to get with later on that night yeah. or they want to yeah. like get something like their drugs delivered or they want all these things happen that don't aren't conducive to making good records and the clock you like you don't get as much work done when you're working with people. So I sort yeah. of took on this thing where like if you want to work with me I know it's your project, but unless like your Sting or someone, you know what I mean, like yeah. where who is really going to tell me what to do? But unless like you're going to work normal hours with me because we're going to get so much more done between ten yeah. and five than you will if we work yeah. at seven. And then yeah. I find people will be very productive coming in. The schedule would get shorter and shorter <laughs> and shorter from like eleven to yeah. four or eleven to three, and we would yeah. still get a ton done. Yeah. And so and we, and the work that we would do would be so much better because it wasn't like trying to get an eight hour session in. Yeah. Yeah. You'd be doing three hours of really succinct work and then say, look, I'll see you tomorrow. Just come in tomorrow. Yeah. We work for a couple hours and engineer, you know? Yeah. yeah. So that's so, kind of good that it's changing for you because it's making you have a, have a life. Yeah. Well, exactly. Well, yeah. And you having kids, definitely you don't have the same like freedom to just like disappear. And, 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 um, but yeah, so there's certain projects. I, I mean, I, I definitely learned to, to work smarter over the years. And then also, just like my approach to music became less and less is more like over the years, just in general, like all my favorite shit, I'm realizing that it's just like, it's not, it's not overly done and it's like overly seasoned. It's, it's like fewer, be fewer, but better ingredients. That, that, so, that's why reggae is a big influence on my production because it's all yeah. about the space. The more space yeah. you can put into a production, the more yeah. timeless and the more easier yeah. it is on your ears and the more yeah. it resonates with your with your soul, I really feel that's the truth. And so I, oh, reggae is one yeah. of the few genres that I don't produce because it's such <laughs> yeah. a like it's for me it's my guilty pleasure just to listen to reggae records. But yeah. I take that information and I try to apply it to everything I'm doing. I want to do something with you that I do with everybody. I got a bunch of questions, rapid fire. Right. We okay. only have three minutes left before they kick us off oh, anyway. Okay. So just answer the questions. Don't overthink it. And I'm not. Right. I, I don't respond to them. So here we go. Faith or science. 
Science. Um, a club or festival? Neither. Can I say Ocean, that? Yeah, you can say whatever you want. Ocean, okay. lake, or desert? Depends on the ocean. Depends on the desert. Acid or mushrooms? Um, mushrooms, but I ha I've never done either. But I, I want to do so, like psilocybin now <laughs> that it's about to be legal, like as therapy. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, big room or small room? Depends on the sound I'm going for. What's your superpower? Uh, have having um, hyper senses, like um, it's called sensory processing sensitivity. Like my everything is like too much, so it's a double-edged sword. But that's my superpower. How would you incorrectly describe your job? Um, I I don't even know. Like that's how I'd incorrectly describe my job. I'm a drug dealer. What animal should survive if only one can survive? Oh, yeah. That's the wolf. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. If not if not music, then what? Love. Favorite meal. Peanut butter. Do you have a uh, hunter or gatherer? both do you have a favorite <laughs> deli not anymore you know my diet is so rigid like i don't do right. delis i i have other questions but i was going to say favorite metal band but let me the last question before we get kicked off what genre are the talking heads what genre of the talking heads oh um i just thought of them as their their genre is just like mixed but i my favorite song is uh same as it, uh, once in a lifetime by them so whatever you would call that version because I ask, I ask the same questions and everything, and everyone has a different answer to the talking heads. So one day I'm going to have David Byrne on here just so I can ask him the same yeah, question. Yeah, you should. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Well, thank you so much for doing this. You look great. Yeah, I can't wait to meet, to meet the new woman at some point when we're all out of out of our out of yeah. our places. I'm, you're, you're, uh, uh, the dog is good good on you. <laughs> yeah, thanks, man. You I like that. You, I like that you have a dog I, now, I, man. I'll speak to you soon. Okay, man. Cheers. I'll speak to you soon, Wolf. All right.